I'm here with Christina Lee from Millen Experience Design. Hello, first of all. Hello. Uh, I am not here with Carla today because she is over in Colombia, but we thought we'd do something a bit different, which is an interview. Uh, this will be the second interview with Christina today. The first one was ruined by my amateur recording skills. <laughs> the mic was facing the wrong way and we did it in London's loudest cafe with the most aggressive barista that I've ever seen. And not to mention um, the ambulance siren going on. Yeah, there are ambulances. It was crazy. So we're going to do it in a nice quiet setting now. Hopefully get a usable recording. Uh, so today we are talking about lean research and I'm going to give the floor to Christina to explain what lean research means. Right, so um, I think there is two things to think about. Um, do we mean lean research in the context of an agile development um, when you are sort of working towards that sprint um, and you're continuously doing something? But I think in the context of what we're talking about today, we're interested in how do you do research um, that is quick but meaningful in a very short period of time so that you can produce something useful and then to pass it back onto the team? So that's the kind of context I think about when we talk about lean research. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's probably worth exploring what the the converse idea of that is. So in my head, that's more the kind of discovery style exploration mm -hmm. type of research where you're looking at the or trying to uncover the big themes about what you're trying to design, um, understand how people are doing things currently, that sort of thing. And it's much bigger picture stuff, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, I would agree. So um, discovery style tends to be, like you say, more contextual or like home visits or you're going to someone's office where you're starting from blank, where you, we shouldn't, you shouldn't assume anything or have any presumptions um, on what's happening. So you're going to explore and to uncover what their current experiences are and what the pain points are. So you probably get a, a lot richer um, information that you need to spend longer time to unpack and analyze. Whereas lean research, it could be fit into um, sort of the context of usability testing where you already have a product or service defined, um, such as a website or a mobile app, where you sort of know what you want to get out of it um, to where you have really set defined um, research questions and outcomes that you want to look for. So in that way, the analysis pattern and how you conduct it would be very different. So how would the analysis for a so discovery piece of research differ from kind of the more lean product-based research? Mm, so like I said, I think discovery, because um, you don't know what you're starting from, um, I think the, the analysis would be more themes that's emerging um, or, pop, or identifying big problem areas that you can then break it down into smaller problems to look at, at how you can solve it. Whereas um, usability testing could be an outcome of that process, the next step of doing the research when you already define that problem space and you want to try out different ideas or concepts to see if it helps to solve the problems that you thought um, it was going to solve. Yeah, and I think the the thing with the the lean research or the sprint based research, if you're doing it in agile, is you've got to be very sure about what you're looking to find out. So that means if you're a UX designer, it means you've got to be very clear about why you're putting certain elements on the page, what you expect mm -hmm. the kind of behavior to be by doing that. So 
Now, if I put this button over here, I expect the user to not notice something else, for example, because it's distracting or whatever the behavior you're trying to drive is. You need to be very clear about why you're designing what you're designing so that the research team can then go out and validate that hypothesis or not. Yeah, exactly. So um, one way of doing it um, could be hypothesis, setting up hypothesis um, in your design. So based on your findings or based on some assumptions, for example, you've seen certain things happening in a round of research. So if I then do X, I should start seeing a different kind of behavior and I will know it's been successful if I saw that behavior. So it, it can drive that lean research much quicker because then you're running a series of experiments um, and you could learn that actually it's not a thing. Um, it's not valid. Great, you can throw it away. Or by doing that process, you learn that the thing you saw was actually a subset or multitude of other things. And then you can learn um, from that and develop more experiments based on what you've done and design according to that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's kind of time boxed to this style mm. of research. So how do you kind of plan so that you're going to be able to do the research in time and get the findings in time to kind of go into the next cycle of design and testing? Yeah, so um, research plan always helps. Always helps. Um, so what I tend to do is um, have, have a discussion with the team and look at what is ahead in the roadmap and then um, maybe plan maybe two, three sprints ahead um, so roughly we know um, in maybe a month's time we're looking at this kind of thing um, so we can start thinking about recruitment who we should get and what sort of method of research are we really interested in sometimes usability testing might not be the most appropriate it might be a little bit of a quick interview or testing paper prototypes ideas so it really depends on the nature of what you're testing but the idea is we should be able to get ahead um, so we have a bit of planning so we could start understanding the people we want to speak to and the research questions around it. Mm. Um, and so you're obviously generating a lot of research insight quite rapidly in this style of stuff. How do you or do you even kind of document that? Is it just a case of it's fed back to the team and mm. that's it? Or is there value in capturing that in a more formal way? So I think it's both. Yes, there is value um, to do that quick feedback to the team so they can get on with identifying the next steps and what to do. But it's also important to document, um, especially decisions you made, because a lot of time when you're doing something really quick, um, you can't do everything. You have to prioritize one over another. And it's important to document your findings and the decisions made at the time. Because designs changes, but fundamental needs of people don't really that change that much over time and if you were then to pick something up maybe six months down the line you don't want to be doing that sort of research again you can already have reference to it it just saves times and money yeah so something i've been trying in our team at the moment is to track our user needs in that sort of design test research cycle mm. so you track the need as it goes through kind of where did that yeah. need come from, which is usually a sort of discovery thing or something you've heard in another yeah. session. Uh, you attach your design thoughts to it and what you're proposing mm -hmm. to test that need. That mm -hmm. then goes through to the research analysis. Did you meet the need or does it need more work? And then it'll either yeah. go to 
done or it goes back around the cycle again to be iterated on or back yeah, in the backlog if it's something you're going to look at later. Yeah, that's how we're doing it as well. Um, and sometimes we turn them into hypotheses as well. So like I said, we could then run experiments um, to try different design concepts and design elements. But regardless of how you do it, it you're still tracking the progress, um, whether you're tracking the needs or tracking it as a hypothesis. And I think that's important because if everyone should be playing part to that process. It's not just a researcher saying this is everything and go ahead and do something about it um, is a team effort. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, it can be a challenge sometimes to get the team fully involved in the research. Are there any tips you've got for sorting that out, getting people excited mm. and <laughs> intrigued about what you're doing? I know very often, you know, it's a new concept to some people, so exactly. setting it in is um, challenging. I don't know how exciting research can really be. Yeah, you haven't been in one of our <laughs> but, lab sessions yet. <laughs> but one tries. <laughs> um, so like you say, if you're in a lab, then um, in that setting, you're more likely to have an observation room where you can have observers, um, people on your team or other stakeholders who would, might be interested or as an introduction to see what research is all about. Um, if they even come along to maybe an hour or two, so they get a flavor of what it is. And they can help you maybe do some observation, take notes, and then take part in a debrief and analysis. That's always helpful. But understand if you're doing maybe contextual research, you can't bring your whole team with you to someone else's home to do a home visit. That would be a bit too much. Um, in that case, then maybe considering how you can play back the finding using videos, um, bring a bit of story back to life. And using storytelling method, um, it always helps. So have a bit of scenario tell their story, um, understand the context of why they're using your service or products today. Yeah, and I think it's about making people feel included in that process as well. So sometimes you get people on the project team who kind of see their part of it as very separate from the ends deliverable. So it's quite important yeah. to get those kinds of people interested and involved as well, I think. Mm, definitely. And sometimes a lot of the time, from my experience anyway, it's the work we do, it is change, it's transformation, it's new to these people and they don't know what it is and they don't know how it's going to impact them by the end of that process. So it's about bringing them with you on that journey of change. So cheesy. <laughs> as, I was going to say as cliche as it sounds, but it's true because they get some people get scared that they're going to lose their job by the end of this. Yep, it's very true. It's always a, a big fear in organizations that are going through some sort of big transformation. Mm, and, a, and a lot of it, why organizations doing it? Maybe to save costs, um, reduce staff. So there, there are some elements of change to it that are real and will impact on people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. Just going back to the kind of discovery discussion of we kind of both have done a lot of public sector work where that mm -hmm. is a, a key part of it but I've mm. also done projects in more sort of established private sector e-com type settings where almost the discovery part just doesn't get done because you know e-com's been around a while people mm. believe they re reasonably understand what people do in a shopping context and it's all just about optimizing mm. optimizing optimizing 
And I think it's worth, even if you're doing this lean research stuff, occasionally taking a step back and just going, why? It's very easy to get into the granular level of, you know, design this one chunk of a thing every two weeks. And then when mm. actually you look at it as a whole experience or service, it doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, it, exactly. It's about understanding the context. And as you said, um, in public services, that is so important because you really need to show empathy to the people who is going to come in and use the service. You can't sort of pick and choose who you're going to focus on as a government. Um, that that context is so important. Why are they coming to you today? Have they lost their job? Have they been in a domestic abuse relationship and left the house and need somewhere to stay? Um, there's just a wide range of reasons why someone would come to the government. And it's really considering those contacts. And when you have that considered, I think your experience will be a lot richer because you're not just focusing on the digital channel or the digital part. And you're not just focusing on optimizing that bit of the journey. You're actually thinking about how the stories will fit into the store um sorry the experience you're going to be designing for yeah and often the stakes are a lot higher than just whether you get a new handbag mm -hmm. or something it's whether someone's gonna yeah, <laughs> that would yeah, be nice someone's getting true. a bit slow but uh it's often like the difference between someone being homeless or not or being able to feed their kids that sort of level of impact i guess so mm, there's a bigger responsibility yeah And that, yeah, I think that's probably one of the key takeaways from this is, you know, whilst you are doing lean product design, you really need to, as always, bear in mind who your users are, why they're using your thing and look at it as a an end-to-end -end journey. Yes. I'm just thinking about some of the more complex problems we have tackled or tried to look at um, within the government. And a lot of time it is, whatever we do, it is go always going back to, the purpose, the reason why we've got this design here, but why, what needs is a missing um, meeting? What need is a meeting? Um, why would someone come and look at this and how is that going to help them do the thing they wanted to do in the first place? So examples like um, they might have received um, benefit money from the government. How do we then help them understand um, the money that they receive so they can budget and hopefully not get into debts and so forth? I think those are really important questions and a lot of it is understanding their background because not everyone has a high financial literacy skills and it could be a wide range of people coming to use the service. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing to mention that's maybe different about public sector stuff is that it's always a possibility that you can find out that the project's just a non-starter doesn't actually meet any of the user needs that you've uncovered during your research. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might go through a couple of iterations of building and testing a product that you think might work, but it's perfectly possible it just doesn't, and that's fine, which is a slightly different attitude, I think, maybe to some private sector projects, which are here's some budget, build this thing, make it work, and there's not really any concept of failure. Mm. But... I still think, though, some people will consider that if to stop in discovery point is a failure, but we should actually be okay with it because there isn't a problem. You can't go looking for a problem and creating a problem out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's not a good use of anyone's money, really, is it? No, but I think there is this fear of saying, right, we've done a bunch of discovery. There is nothing. You should be okay with that. That there is nothing, or perhaps there are. Perhaps there are some things, but it's not big enough or meet, not meaty enough for you to look at a big digital solution around it. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite an uncomfortable truth. I guess it's not something people are used to is saying, let's stop this project and that's mm. cool. That's a cool thing to say. Right, yeah. But it's not even just that. Like I've done research with user groups, particular user groups, and after maybe one round or two rounds, it's clear that whatever concept we had in mind isn't for them and it's okay to ask the researcher to say it's not working out we should look at other things um, to test or look at other solutions to help to these people and it's okay to say that and, and think that's what well at least I would expect that from researchers be able to go deeper and be comfortable saying look it's not working out we need to stop yeah, it's being able to challenge the project itself as opposed to just the design. Yeah, it's all about, a lot of time it's about networking and stakeholder management. It's always about stakeholder management. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also about building really good relationships with your product owner, I think. it's. I think that's always something that helped me along my career. Like whether they do sketching with me, whether they come out to do research with me, sitting on um seeing on research and observing they are they are really the knowledge of the business they know so much and they can help you sell your ideas to upper management so why not be buddies with them yeah exactly get that influence spreading far and wide it's the way forward okay uh so you talked about research plans a bit earlier um how would you deal with that in the context of having kind of participants lined up for when you need to do the testing? Uh, yes, so research plan helps because um, it allows you to get a bit forward view on what's coming ahead and that way helps you recruit because when you're going through a recruitment agency, for example, to get people into the research lab in time, there's usually a two to three weeks um, lead time for that to happen. So by by looking ahead and knowing what's coming up, it gives you time to provide the recruitment agency um, the specification you want, so the types of people you would like to see, how many people, um, mix of gender, maybe different types of income or different education level. It really depends on what your product and service needs are, but it gives you time to get those people in. Um, so research plan helps that way. Or um, like me, I've been doing a lot of um, research with enterprise users or professional users, Giving them a two weeks notice doesn't help <laughs> because they're really busy and it's hard to get them in the room. Um, so what helps is that research plan. So you can look forward and start looking at maybe in a month's time, I do need your help on this. So can we find a time then to sit down and go through our feedback on the prototype? Yeah, I guess it probably depends a lot on the type of person you're recruiting, what channels and what lead time they would need to, yeah, to kind exactly. of be in the right place. And what helps with professional user groups from the, my experience is um, providing some kind of information pack or information sheets, explain what the project is about, what they can expect during the session, and be really clear how much time you're asking for. So if you're going to speak to a solicitor, it's um, it's quite an expensive yeah, <laughs> um, they hour by that the they're hour, giving away. 
Yeah, so they are really doing it for good, from goodwill. So it's actually being really clear how you're going to use that hour with them. Yeah, that might be slightly changing in you in that you might not necessarily know what you're putting in front of them at that point because you haven't started mm. the design, but you probably have an idea of what user needs at least you're looking at at that stage. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably have, but you've got to be flexible as well because um, you might learn something from around research and realize that's no longer the right thing to be looking at. Like we talked about um, being able to say no, like stop something and and then just change your plan accordingly. Okay, cool. Um, I think that probably wraps up your second grilling of today then <laughs> on research. Yep. <laughs> Not doing it for that time though, Chris. No, that's enough. Uh, so thank you very much. I'm sure we'll have you on again in future. Uh, so it just yeah. remains for me to do the various shout outs and stuff. Hopefully Carla will be back from Columbia soon. Uh, we might do a special Christmas episode. I haven't decided yet. If not, we'll be back in January. Uh, if you have any feedback on this episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Design Untangled. You can check out our new and improved from nothing website, designuntangled.co.uk. <laughs> or you can email us if you're so inclined at contact at designuntangled.co.uk. Uh, I think that's enough co.uk's for now. So until next time, see you later.